What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to episode 16 of Beats, Brews, and Buddies, season two. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt. This is Jeremy Price. Today on our beat, we're talking about running an entertainment company, switching from rock to country, and learning how to wear multiple hats within the entertainment business with our buddy, J.D. Suffin, ladies and gentlemen. Give it up for J.D. Woo! How you doing, buddy? I'm excellent. How are y'all? Doing great. Doing great. J.D., you listened to the podcast before? Uh, many times. I mean, that was a trick question because <laughs> he, he did just host. He did just host a wonderful Beats, Brews, and Buddies barbecue with us at Brady's Distillery. So thank you for that. Oh, it was a, my pleasure, man. It was awesome. It was a blast. We'll talk about that. Yeah, but, um, that got crazy. It did get crazy. <laughs> it literally got crazy. It did get yeah, crazy. it got uh, wild. Uh, Jeremy, what are we drinking today? We're drinking Accomplice, which is straight bourbon whiskey from the Brady's Distillery. Doesn't have much on there. J.D., do you know any any bits and bobs about this particular whiskey? Uh, yeah, they worked on that for a long time, okay. figuring out like okay. what their the, the, recipe, their balance was. The and it, yeah, and the thing that's really cool about uh, this beverage is it actually at the bottom of the, the bottle when you're drinking it, you'll see the charcoal still in it. And a lot of bourbons don't have that. And the thing that I've noticed about it is I never get a hangover from it. Here, look really? At, look yeah. at that again so I can get a shot of that of, of, on the camera. System. So you actually got just a little bit of that char that's coming off the oak from the barrel that they actually purposefully keep in the bourbon. And to me, I think that's just really rock and roll and really cool. Yeah, that's the whole dope. science behind it is super, super Tons of science. Cool. All right. J.D. Suffin is a father husband, musician, and business owner from Southwest Virginia. Born in Botetourt County, he finished out high school in Franklin County, where he graduated became an on-air personality from WROV-FM in Roanoke, as well as XL-102 in Richmond, while fronting the hard rock metal band Madrone. For 10 years, Madrone toured throughout the East Coast, eventually gained national-wide support with their Top 50 Billboard single, Daybreak, as well as charting with the follow-up single, House of Ghosts. In 2014, JD left WROV and the radio to create Big Lick Entertainment, an events and marketing company. The company created uh, Big Lick Comic Con in 2017, the most attended comic convention in Virginia. JD put a pause on Madrone in 2015, then creating the Lolo Chariot in the country and alt-rock world, who continues to perform and create this day. J.D. is also the owner of Big Lit Comics in Roanoke with his brother, Adam. In yeah, bio. I love a short, <laughs> sweet bio. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I like those big-ass letters. Dude, I think that's why I read it so well. You did. I can read it. <laughs> I, I read it so well because what I... What font is that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, Bigger. you sent it to me in the smallest font. Because uh, so I, like, I copied uh, it from notes <laughs> from my <laughs> Even iPhone. Better. <laughs> Even better. I was like, oh, God, I'm going to print this out. Oh, man. Now, we've been reading stuff down here, and it's blue and small. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. No, that was good. Things, like, the things you learn. Yeah. The, the things you learn. Uh, okay, JD, let's let's just hop right on into it. So, okay. talk, let's talk a little bit more about your history with this area. Yeah, so give, give it give it to us from baby JD. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> baby JD, sweet seven eleven pound <laughs> ba- baby, baby John. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm from Botetourt. Um, I, you know, basically grew up in Botetourt and grew up at my dad's business that was in Cloverdale, Virginia. Uh, it was called Jeans Trading Post. Uh, when my parents split up, when I was in sixth grade. I got to decide 
where I was going to go and decided to actually go with my mom, went to Franklin County, two very different counties, uh, but then graduated from Franklin County High School. And, uh, and I played, but I was definitely a late bloomer with music. Um, I w- wanted to be a comic book artist. And well, you're succeeding with that genre, <laughs> genre right now. Try, yeah, trying. I mean, I wanted to create. I wanted to be around art. And uh, it was one of those things where um, like when my parents split up, Metallica was everything, man. I had a little Iowa Walkman. I remember <laughs> listening to it in the courtroom, you know, listening to, you know, to live is to die and one and Dyer's Eve on Injustice. And like that was everything to be, man. It was absolutely everything. And it was going from listening to ma- bands while drawing to going, I'd really like to play more. And there was this guy, uh, Jeff, that I was in middle school with and like ninth grade, we got to be like more friends and he started playing guitar. And it was always in my family, specifically on my mom's side. But uh, I finally decided to jump in and, uh, and it, it, it changed my life, man. I never even sung a song on stage or anything like that. I was very, until ninth grade. How old were you when the divorce happened? Uh, fourth grade. So like uh, nine, ten-ish? Yeah. yeah. My my cousin went through the same thing, and he was huge Metallica. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a parallel here. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. Well, uh, you know, Metallica's got some great lyrics. Soulful oh, stuff. Oh, for Soulful. sure. And, and it's one of those things where it's like when you're a young boy like that that feels like, you know, misunderstood or you've got that anger – the thing that was great about Metallica and still is, is it was never like wallowing. It's no, I'm, it's usually the end of the song. By the time you kick into the end of fade to black, it's actually rocking harder than it was in the beginning because you got through it. It was always triumphant in the end. It had that power metal vibe, mm. just enough of it that uh, you felt like you actually accomplished something when you'd be listening to those songs. Yeah, and that's what I needed. Even some of their ballads felt that way. 100%. Like, I just, it makes me think of one. One was the yeah. first, one was the, the, the gu- first song I ever learned on guitar. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And, the, and, you know, and, but, and the thing that's interesting about Metallica is uh, it stuck with me. That's how I learned how to play. I never, I never got a guitar lesson. I don't know theory. I don't know any of that stuff. I did later on. I took about 12 lessons from Kelly Scott circa 2009. Oh, wow. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I just know what I want to play, right? And uh, it's interesting that, you know, even then getting out of high school and then I got into radio, but it was meeting Metallica that actually made me like form my, my first true band. Madrone? Yeah. So when did you meet Metallica? Was that here in town? Yeah, 2004. Oh, wow. They came to, who opened up for them? Godsmack. That's right. Yeah. That was, oh my God. That was, <laughs> it, was, it was a crazy experience, man. Because and, and what was nuts about that show was in the middle of summer. And because of their pyro, you couldn't have the air conditioning on. So it was ridiculously hot. Because sometimes certain AC units will catch fire and, when it's coming up from the pyro. Oh, oh my gosh. So I'm glad they didn't ignite the Did Bergman you know Center. I didn't know that. Well, I didn't, yeah, look it up. Why would I know he that? He said, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> well, you were in theater and you did. You traveled with stop. Well, I mean, pi- I, man, I have yeah, trash cans, trash not pyro. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. Like, I, I didn't know if you had like other like sparks flying off of those puppies. Oh, there were sparks. I know. Not those kinds. <laughs> well, uh, digress. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm born and raised in the area, man. I stuck around and, you know, I was in radio for a long time, but I got to tour pretty quickly with Madrone. And where I think I would have wanted to move to like a bigger city 
and try to pursue either more music or, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to go to bigger cities with radio. Did you start with Madrone in here? Yeah. Here, here in Roanoke. Oh, yeah. In here, in this room right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Roanoke? Yeah. Where where was the first place you played? Uh, Roanoke College. <laughs> That's cool. At a Battle of the Bands. And, um, and that band was not truly what Madrone ended up being. It was like, we called it Madrone, but I just decided to use that name later on when me and a guy named Joey Coleman restarted. But we didn't even have a name when we played this Battle of the Bands and we won the Battle of the Bands. And then I'm trying to decide what the name should be. And I was working as, this is a true story, as a Spanish translator at Virginia Utility Protection Services, the Miss Utility Call Before You Dig Place. You? Yes. And a lady called. Tu hablas español, señor? Not very well. <laughs> but wait, but wait, you were a translator? I was, because I took four years of it in high school, and I was like, sure, I can, I can I do that. around this. Yeah. I'm one of those, uh, and I can definitely say, when we, if, you know, if, if we end up talking about business stuff, I'm a burn the boats kind of guy. Like, we're going to get there, and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll figure it out. 100%. You give me a time, I'll figure it out. Yeah. But, yeah, I was a Spanish translator. This lady called, and her last name was Madrone. I was like, what the hell is that? That sounds awesome. Because <laughs> to me, it sounds, well, because I wanted a band name, but I wanted, uh, I wanted something with an M because of Metallica. Is that when you quit oh, your job okay. as a Spanish translator? It was like, uh, I've won. <laughs> I got the, I quit the job as a Spanish translator when I became full-time at WRV. Okay. So like I, uh, the story of getting on the air and stuff there was really wild. I was 19 years old. I told my dad I didn't want to work for him anymore. What's well, it said right, right out of high school. Yeah, I, I, it was the year after high school, and um, I t- it was like a, a teenage movie of like, I don't want your life, Dad. I want my own life. You know, I don't want to work in the family business, and I quit. And three months later, on a Monday, I was at an Allman Brothers concert at the Salem Civic Center with Derek Trucks opening. And uh, I got in like an argument with my girlfriend at the time. Excellent. And went outside to call her on the payphone because I didn't have a cell phone Even yet. Even better. And I meet Steve Cannon of John Boy and Billy. Like, you know, the John Boy and Billy oh, Big Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's packing stuff up because they were doing like the live broadcast. Like they had the big antenna out and all that kind of stuff. And I literally was like, the 19 year old was like, so you're gonna get the guy from the radio, right? You know, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so ni- what are you guys? 19, ladies and gentlemen. Never, <laughs> never in my life thought about ever being on the radio. And I was like, so are you guys like hiring? Because I didn't have a job yet. I was considering going to work at the guest store and moving to Richmond. I kid you not. That's mm. what I thought I, I'll do. I'll go work in clothes. I, I don't know. <laughs> so, And so- I meet him on a Monday. I come in for my interview. No, I had a phone call interview on a Tuesday. The first question my boss asked me was, do you know the difference between AM and PM? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. And he uh, had me come in on Thursday for the actual physical interview. As I'm leaving the interview, the night jock was like, what's your name? I'm like, John. And he's like, come back at seven. You can sit in and watch me do the show. And I was there every single day for two years, Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything. And the majority of that was unpaid until I worked my way up to a part-time job. Till then I worked my way up to a full-time job then worked my way up to marketing director of all six radio stations. How long, how long were you? I was there from 2002 to 2014. March of 2014 is when I quit. 12 years. Yeah. Good God. Yeah. So it was awesome. No, no background in it. No college. You, did you know I was going to ask that? Yeah. Yeah. I was literally, I, I'm fascinated with people, uh, that 
are so highly educated without and I'm not trying to offend anybody without I guess I taking, a, taking a quote unquote formal education going to college Man. or oh, whatever. You can open this I think, can of worms I think all day long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we put so much uh, pressure and precipice on it. We've talked about this yeah, yeah. quite it's, a bit on the show. It's uh, it's broken. Yeah. It's broken. Yeah. I'm not saying you don't learn yeah. things. Yeah. I wasn't uh, smart enough to go to college. <laughs> I, had, I had terrible grades. Like, you know, I, I have ADD. It's hard for me to focus. And, and, and honestly, in all of those things and failing a bunch of times in the radio and having people that would give me a chance and making zero money, zero. Mm. Um, you got to have that stuff, man. You got to learn to be hungry. Well, what I, was, what I wanted to kind of finally say was, because uh, I felt like I was going on a little tangent, but um, I... I think some of the smartest people I have personally met have not had a formal college education. Oh, wow. And, I mean, you're one of the people that um, here in this town that you want to meet and you want to work with because of your connections and, and what you do for this town. And I'm not trying to butter you up since it's only we're only 15 minutes in. Butter that bourbon? Yeah, right. <laughs> Oh, would you like more? Um, butter that biscuit. But I, I think it's, I think it's really neat. Butter that biscuit. Uh, butter it's that really rodeo neat. biscuit. It's really neat. <laughs> right, yeah, I got an onion it's ring really, on it. really neat to see people thrive yeah. without having all the formal yeah. stamps behind it. Have, yeah. you, have you seen all the people that are actually standing up and saying, you know, you sort of, I don't want to say demonize it, but, but, you know, you frowned on trade education, you frowned on, and now we have a lot of people that simply don't know how to do things for themselves. And, and those very people who quote unquote can't do things for themselves, you can learn too. you know, there are things your college education is not going to dig you out of. Yeah, man. It, 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 it should have never happened. It should have never been that way. You should never mm-hmm. put put the other, the, the academic side on the pedestal. It should have never happened. Right. It does not make full yeah. sense. Right. Anyway. You, you don't you don't have any college. I mean, you've got like you've, you're taking college classes now, but you didn't prior to leaving. I'm not taking any college college classes. Now. You were taking courses though. I was taking. So I've always been a vocational guy. Yeah. I went to. I took time off and I went to Western for two. What's years. vocational mean? I, so I became a board certified massage therapist. Oh, okay. So I had to go to school and learn a lot of cool stuff, right? Yeah. But that's vocational. It's mm-hmm. very directed. Yeah, yeah. But the things I learned from that were wild. Yeah. And also took it very, very seriously, mm. you know. So I've always, like another another idea of vocational uh, training would be like you know the, these kids that learn um, wh- whether it's wood tech mm-hmm. or automobile stuff. Or yeah, 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 yeah. You can frown on that all all you Cosmetology. want. Cosmetology. Where are you going to mm-hmm. put your office after you get out of college? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I saw a really great quote was like if you're uh, a college student and you're using ChatGPT to write your um, essay, it will be a certain amount of time before ChatGPT is doing your job that you are trying to get your education for oh yeah oh 100 you know and uh i mean my college was i remember my boss at the time who went on to do huge stuff this guy was brilliant total asshole glad he was on the radio yes i was glad that Mm. this guy was such a dick (laughs) you know (laughs) because it taught me a lot and i needed that and uh because like because i or otherwise he knew i was walking he knew i could do something on the air and he knew that I was walking into a, what could be a very cake position and he was going to make me work for it. And I remember I, I get an email. I need you to be at the radio station on Friday morning at 8 a.m. Wow. That's the most serious sounding email I've ever heard in my life. And it was, and that's literally, that was it. It was not thanks. It was not see you then. This is what you need to do. And like, I was still unpaid. I'm like, this is it, man. This is like the interview to talk about being on the air or something like that. Okay. And I get there uh, and it's him. 
and it's Steve Cannon. And Steve's in shorts. I'm like, why, the, why is Steve in shorts? Steve never wears shorts. And he goes, yeah, we're helping him move. Oh, my gosh. So he was like, yeah, you're going to go down to town with me. I got all this furniture, and we're going from this apartment to, to Crystal Springs. Oh, man. I got such so many mixed And I was there for 15 hours, 16 hours. I got pizza. I remember that. Yum. You know? What did, what, how did you feel? What did you learn? Uh, I was there on time. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got there probably at 745. Yeah. You know? There, there are so With many With nearly a dollar like in my pocket, mm. hoping that like either I was going to get fed somehow that day because I didn't want to ask my mom for money. Yeah. You know? Because I was making $7 an hour, 15 hours a week until I finally found that part-time Spanish translator job mm. and would let me work 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. So I, so finally I got I started getting paid the $7 an hour. Right. And I would work Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. I'd leave Miss Utility on 460 at 2 p.m. I'd bolt over to my house, which was on Lofton Road up behind like all sports on Grandin. Mm-hmm. I'd change into real clothes because I had to wear khakis, which drove me bonkers at like 20 years old. <laughs> Just so uncomfortable. And it's, and it's also like not black. So uh, and that's what I wear. You, I need to show you my teacher outfit. Yeah. <laughs> so I go there. I would change clothes. I'd have to be at the radio station by four to start show prepping, which is like writing out what's going to be on the show for the show that I was not getting paid to be on. I was an intern on the night show from 7 p.m. until midnight. And then I got paid $7 an hour to be live from 12 a.m. until 3 a.m. And I did that Monday through Friday. Then 21 I'd get, bucks. So then I'd go home at 3. I'd get home by about 3.15. And I'd sleep until I got up at 7 to go to the other job. And then I was live every Saturday and Sunday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. for 7 bucks an hour. So the grind was real. Yeah, and I did that for years. Yeah. To work my way up. I think a lot... I don't know if many people know that. I don't know why they would, but... Um, that grind and that pursuit is it's certainly a young man's game most of the time. And I mean, I, I'm just saying it's good to hear that you did that. I'm sure there, there are other people that should hear that as well. <laughs> hey, well, you know, and the thing that was really fun is, uh, when you try to sneak out and be like, man, I'm going to record my last, like five breaks. And I'm going to be able to get the CI before everybody's out of there. And I can have a couple drinks there by four, down the community end and granted. Wow. And, uh, and it was, it was awesome though, mm. you know, and that was the thing too, of like figuring out that uh, so many people uh, don't know when they're in the moment. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. They have no idea that you're actually like, you're in the time that you're going to talk about, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been blessed enough to realize that many times, you know what I mean? No, and when you also realize that you also realize how to f- grind harder. There it is. You know what I'm saying? Gentlemen, I love yeah. it. No, I mean, so so where did that take you? Um, where did that take you musically? So you're at the you're you're at the radio station. You're you're working your ass off. You're yeah. doing all these weird, crazy hours. Right. Where did music fit into that? It was you? super hard because I literally got skipped over multiple times from being the actual program director because of the band, and went through m- many bosses, and was told like, "We know that you care about the band." more than your full-time job shame on you for having passions but yeah sorry continue. and the thing that was the beat down on that is that like if you're the night jock of the rock radio station in town you should be at a bar on a thursday night playing some music that's literally like the thing yeah. <laughs> you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not faking it yeah you're literally wanting to do it 
and they didn't get it. And uh, well, I mean, it's a conflict of interest to them, right? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and the thing that was tough though, like musically, uh, looking back at it now, I wish that I had not cared so much actually about what was on the radio. But I do know that because I did, we got a lot of really great breaks because we actually thought about marketability and um, our specific sound mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, because it was, we were, Madrone was at a weird spot where it was like, we would play with bands that were serious, like Lamb of God, you know, and we weren't that all the time. I didn't know how to scream and I'm also playing guitar and singing. So that also limits certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was a hard spot, but like, you know, looking back wouldn't change anything. Right. So, so wait, you, you said, what did you just say about, uh, you cared so much about the rate, what was going on on the radio? Like what, was, yeah, what like you I, were saying? I saw that as like success of like, mm-hmm. well, we need, we need to be on the radio. Oh, we need to get in signed. Yourself. Yeah, totally. Oh. And like, you know, I would, and I think sometimes that's a problem if you're thinking of, you should never think about the business when you're writing the song. You really shouldn't. But a l- you know, many, many years later, I learned that wasn't that bad of a thing. No, I was just going to say, like, you you have probably learned so much about yourself and learned who you wanted to be as somebody who now owns a company and runs a company. Totally. And is supporting other businesses, yes. too. So, like, I, um, I, I very much appreciate the, the, the perception that you had on yourself then it, at that present. Right. But, I mean, it's the Bob Seger lyric. Okay, yes. If I only, you know, knew now what I had known no, then, then or, you know. Yeah. But, like, uh, now what I realize is that there can be a beautiful way that commerce and creativity can coexist. coexist. And um, I think it's all about intent. And I've done a bunch of these like Nashville songwriting sessions where like I've, I, I got to write with these really accomplished Grammy award winning people. And they were so intentful of like, what kind of song do you want to write? Didn't uh, Lolo Chariot go down to Nashville and record? Yeah, a bunch of times, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome experience. I've, totally different than recording with a rock band. Oh, Compl- I, I, completely different. I can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. So, so back, back to Madrone. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're, what ended it? So it's, what's interesting is when I really think about it, a lot of the stuff that started Big Lick Entertainment also made it very hard for me to do Madrone. And those are both professional and personal. So in September of 2012, my cousin was murdered. And uh, it, was, it was the worst thing to ever happen to me. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. And uh, it happened on a Saturday night. And that Sunday, like we were in, I was still on the radio, like live on the radio during the day, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. I'd been at that radio station for years, more than a decade. And my boss said I couldn't have bereavement. It's not your immediate family, J.D. I'm so sorry. I got to see you on Monday. Like, oh, okay. My cousin just got stabbed in the heart for stopping a bar fight that he had nothing to do with. And I'm told that that doesn't matter. Like, you need to go get on the radio and go, coming up next on blah, 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 you know. And I'm pretty sure verbatim I said, go fuck yourself, Steve. And I hung up the phone. And I did. I showed back up. And I, and I said basically when I got back, there is a finite amount of time that I'm still going to be in this building because I got passed over and I got disrespected and I learned everything I could probably learn in that building. Why, why the hell did you go back, JD? 
you got a mortgage, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't have another job I, yet. I and asked I had, that very purposefully. And I had not created that other job yet. And I said to myself, I'm going to do something in his honor, whether I say it or not, because again, intent is everything. Intent is absolutely everything. Whether you're marketing something, making a pizza or writing a song, if you are intentful behind it, it will matter. It at least reverberate with you, the person that was creating the intent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I decided I'm going to throw a New Year's Eve party. I'm going to call it Big Lick Downtown Countdown. And that was two months later and it sold out. I was like, I'm going to do a beer festival. I did it in March. It sold out. And then I quit my job. And, and that was the new drive. And throughout that following year, I wrote all of these songs about my cousin. Some really, really heavy stuff. Like, uh, like stuff that like it's, it would be hard for me to even just read the lyrics out loud to you guys. And progressively, I still remember some of the times, like I remember we were playing at like Growlers. Remember we got a Growlers that was at Towers? Yeah, yeah. I loved that venue. It was so cool. And like we had finished a set and it was the first time we played this song called November, which was about the first Thanksgiving without my cousin and no one said anything. We were all sitting around the table and I mean, you're hearing like clinks, you know, chewing and stuff. It was quiet. And I wrote that song about it. I remember the first time I played it live at Growlers, I went straight into the bathroom and I puked my guts out. And like, and I was like, man, I'm really tired of like, like, why did I do this to myself? Like, why did I write this stuff that's just like destroys me when I'm singing it? And I couldn't do it. And it was the same thing of like, I couldn't fake, you know, here's Steve Miller coming up next, you know? And uh, at the same time, it was so weird, man. And it was like God's plan that my aunt gave me songs, the lyrics and music that I had to figure out how to read the music of songs my grandfather wrote before he died that he never got to record from 1974 country songs. This is all happening in this weird, like 18 month period. When you wrote about your cousin, I know I'm stopping you, but when you wrote about your cousin, was that, do you look back at that and say that that was therapeutic in any, any, Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause like I'm, I'm the kind of person where like, I can't enjoy music if I can't see myself playing it. Okay. I'm just that person. The same thing with like the reason I liked watching the Ninja Turtles when I was a kid. I want to be Leonardo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Watch yeah. Batman the anime series. I want to be Batman. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Power sorry. Rangers. Sorry. I'm, I want to be I, Tommy. I, <laughs> you know? I'm Batman. Yeah. Um, but you, you did. I, I feel like we as humans uh, have to find some form of outlet when, yeah. when we grieve and we, when we go through pain like that. Right. And, um, I, I can attest to that because a lot of the things that I wrote when I did the Christian music scene was was about heartache and pain and and I mean those are some some of the best songs that come out of this world right period or, or, yeah and I um I find it real interesting that that uh, trauma is um, paralleled to to the way we write and the way we create sometimes but there's a, you know I watched this video of this guy talking about when he was in the CIA and there's this all these algorithms behind when a person has a certain certain amount of trauma in their childhood that relates to success. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That if as long as they don't fall down into drugs yeah. or drinking too much or women or like too many women, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, yeah. whatever that may be, then because you, you're, you're there to prove something to yourself. Well, it's taking a negative and turning it into a positive. Absolutely. It, it becomes a, a catapult or a catalyst of sorts. It becomes your reason, like you said, intent. And, and, and I had... I've had multiple crucible moments in my life where when I told my dad I didn't want to work for him, 
he looked me straight in his face and he's like, you're not going to amount to anything without me. You're going to be nothing. You will amount to nothing without me. And I looked at him right in the face and I'm like, you're wrong. I walked out. And then to be 10 years later, to have someone ripped out of my life that meant so much to me. Yeah. And then you regret every time you didn't see them. You, you know what I'm saying? Like all, all those things. I get it. And you question, it, you know, the finality of life. You, you question all of it. And so to write those songs, and I was like, man, I'm getting really tired of like ripping myself apart when I'm on stage because the thing that I put on myself with Madrone is that since we weren't one of those bands that was like screaming the whole time, I'm like, cool, well, then I'm going to rip myself apart on stage, like emotionally. You're going to know that, I'm, that I mean every single one of these songs uh, and, it, and that it's, they're everything to me because I can't scream, right? And it got really hard. And then these country songs show up on a Christmas day. And it was like, and I started realizing that like, oh, wow, Jim Freeman, my grandfather on my mom's side, he was just writing stories. Yeah. He could take himself out of it and write about this woman that he never met that's in New England. It was about the woman on New England shore. And I'm like, that sounds awesome, man. Was there a lobster roll involved? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Fried clams. And, uh, and it just, it was like everything just lightened up. And what was really nuts is like, you know, Madrone had, you know, a manager that it was a 360 deal. They're taking percentages of everything. And you're playing a metal show up in Scranton, Pennsylvania for a couple hundred bucks. And then the person takes the cut. And like, it was all, it was just hard, you know? And as soon as I stopped in every way caring about the business of it and started writing these songs that were definitely country, the band's never made more money. I've never made, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it, was, yeah. it was so much more successful, more people seeing the band, all of this stuff. And now it's interesting, like as a 40 year old to look at, you, you're just able to have perspe perspective, excuse me, yeah. and really think about what it is that you want to do musically. But it was a blessing in disguise of uh, realizing that I could just write and not have to just tear myself apart. No, I mean, I think that's really cool that um, you've found a way to to make a transition and it and it i mean it's it's what you've been doing for what the past 10 years with with lolo uh, uh 2015 um, oh, so 2015 eight, was eight yeah years, yeah so. and and also like that was the year that my wife got pregnant and it was like i just knew like things needed to be different i was a business owner now i'm like man i want to do i want to do i wanted to do something different yeah. i wanted to feel more and like tom petty was speaking to me more than Breaking Benjamin was. Sure. And it was just getting older. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know it, it changes, man. Yeah. And sometimes you listen back to the certain songs that you were all about and like, man, I don't really like Tool as much as I used to. What happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I, know. <laughs> I get that. I used to think they were the greatest and now yeah. it's like four songs that I really dig from them and that's about it. It's just, it's just weird, man. Well, I'm not, it's not weird. It's a likely story. It happens yeah. to lots of people. Right. Who make that and they, they might even go the other way. Yeah, you might grow up loving country and learn music and then, yes. you know, go Americana, find yourself playing a little more Mellencamp, find yourself playing a little more rock and roll. It could go the other way, but it typically doesn't, not in my experience, right. what, I, what I see. But we're also really blessed in that, like, <clears throat> when you are able to actually perform music, you just, of course, are listening to music differently. And then you are able to enjoy it at a different level or really not <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. Mm. And that's the, that's the whole fun part of it. Like, I've never been more excited to play guitar than I have in the last year. It's, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know how to explain it. Well, music, it feels fresh. Music transcends in a, a very different ways for, for 
many different people in many different ways. Like it could be very spiritual. It could be very emotional. It can be, I mean, uh, it could be very personal. Oh, yeah. Like I, I like the, the idea when you're talking about it, I was like, man, I used to listen to Dave Matthews all the time. But now when I listen to Dave, like I, I get excited about it. Yeah, that, right. You know, I don't listen to him as much as I used to. Sure. You know, and I think that's that's really kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> was that a <laughs> no? <laughs> no. So we're all guilty of this thing yeah. where if you kind of, if you don't listen to something that you used to love, yeah. you kind of voice it like you're apologizing to that thing. Totally. He was oh, just I like, just, I don't really but really there's, well, there's some bands there's that there's I no one you need to apologize yeah, to. Yeah. Well, I, well, Dave Dave Matthews is from Virginia, and he could be on the podcast one day. So uh, you know, that's all, that's all I'm thinking. Yeah, but like, I mean, I've done it. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> yeah, Three Eleven was one of my favorite bands for a long time, and I, I don't be like, "Guys, I don't really listen to you no more." <laughs> no, I, I'm never really gonna talk to him. But, but see, like Metallica, but you, you feel guilty inside yeah, yeah. for yeah, some yeah. reason. But <laughs> when I hear Metallica, though, it, it completely brings me back. It completely does. So they I mean, they still have your number. I mean, I know the one, answer to this because I work with you yeah. a lot. One hundred percent. They still have your your number there. I mean, and like and meeting them, I have multiple times because of that radio job. Yeah. It, people that don't get it, they haven't met them. They don't know. They don't know how full of life and in the moment those guys really are. There's so, a reason they can sell those tickets. So you're you're kind of our first guest that uh, has created a, a company, but you you do more than just on a, a company. I mean, you said you were started off by like I want to throw a New Year's party and it sold out, and then I I want to do a beer festival. And yeah, it sold out. Like you you throw. I mean, you do throw parties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you throw these events. Yeah, uh, you're kind of the first person that's like kind of an event coordinator in in a sense. Now I'm thinking about it. Am I right? About I mean, that? I'm not going. I don't know. Probably that, that, uh, that out in the, the public like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. But I don't. I mean, there's probably there's probably somebody on the podcast that does events or <laughs> something. There's a wedding planner as, a, as like a side hustle or something. Sorry if I have offended that that one person. But, J, <laughs> but JD, uh, um, talk about that, man. There's a lot of work that goes into it. I mean, yeah. I just help run the Beats, Brews, and Buddies barbecue. And yeah, it, uh, it, it is a lot of work. Oh, it's crazy. And and the thing that's real hard too with like the as you guys are well aware, you can plan something for like nine months and take a big old risk on it and i mean a lot of stuff i mean like oh dude yeah yeah i see you do it all the time and then it's gonna rain yeah that's hard it's gonna rain I, well it's gonna rain like karate kid part two is what it's gonna do <laughs> yeah dude get out of here torrential those yeah. droplets are so huge they were huge. one landed in my glass of whiskey and the whiskey just shot into the air it was like so uh, ladies crazy. and gentlemen you you've probably seen our peace Bruce, and buddies barbecue video but that that torrential downpour was not <laughs> yeah. on that video. I'm pretty Yo, sure. Yo, your tent, so. your tent nearly escaped, and I grabbed I watched it. that. That tent's ded dead. God rest its soul. Yeah, like like a few of us grabbed it, and it bent in our hands. And, and, and nothing phases me, man. I've seen the worst of it. I, I remember we were doing a show at the Oval Town Center back in like 2016, and this crazy storm came through, and it blew over all of the porta potties, and people were already in the venue. Were they and, in the port or bodies? I did not know at the time. And I was on stage getting like pulling gear back. And I bolted across the Oval Town Center and started personally picking up all of those. The doo-doo boxes. Yeah. <laughs> thinking that somebody might be in there. <laughs> thinking, and, and nobody was. Might, oh, good. Because you might not have been able to pick yeah. it up. Oh, yes. Love the, you hit know. You, hit you with a drink. Just, just real quick. Like, I mean, we're already kind of talking about it, but let, let's clarify the point. There's a risk. In what you do, 
Yeah. We talk about the risk and what, oh, you got the ginger ale here? Yeah. Okay, so now I'm willing to take the risk of this whiskey. So there's a risk in what you do as... Oh, I thought that was the whiskey for a hot second. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. There's a risk in what you do as an artist. We've talked about We talked about that more on the first season. Oh, cool. Because a lot of people are like, hey, I want to be a musician. And, you yeah, know, you yeah. Got parents and, and all your loved ones mm-hmm. saying, hey, you better have a backup plan. And as right as they are, you that's not really how you get there. You don't mm-hmm. get there with the backup plan. Like no. you like said earlier, you're a burn the boats kind of guy. So am I. Yeah. But that also works its way into events. And the more you do it, not only do you get smarter and better at it, you get more more comfortable living with that risk. And that that's something that I feel like you could speak to a little bit. I mean, it's yeah. every single day. It's not a one-day yes. thing. You're like, I'm going to take a new risk today. Today, yep. the risk is going to be this. And they might be educated risks. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't fall apart. Yes. And you do it all the time. Talk about that. Well, so, you know, when you're a business owner, uh, two words that you don't uh, learn in the beginning is structured loss. <laughs> right net down look that one up and sometimes you have to plan for those you know and where we've gotten as an event company where i'm willing to risk more than what my first house costs personally on an event that's a big risk it's huge you know well you were uh hyper vigilant about certain things even at that um event the other day uh, you caught something that I would have never caught, and you were like, "We need to take care of that." And yeah, 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 and it's hard, but it, you know, and and I, honestly, experience is the only thing I think that can do that. Sometimes, you know, of thinking about, oh, you know, if you're going to see any flashes out here, we're going to do a shelter in place. Yeah, no, you know, I, but well, I, but I, I mean, if I was at the pool, I'd be like, no swimming, right? <laughs> yeah, so. I'd be in the water. The, no, but the the risk. I mean, to me, it's like I don't have to go to Las Vegas because I'm a business owner and I'm an event promoter. <laughs> you know, I can I gamble, you know, all Every the time. Day, yeah. But you know, if you're willing to gamble on yourself, you know, that's not confidence. It should be education. Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember once I was doing an event with uh, Jason Martin, and we were doing this private event for 800 people, right? And he was catering it for me. Jason's the owner of Martin's Downtown, and of course, he knocks it out of the park. His staff is symphonically moving through and you know going through i remember at one point i was like man you were never stressed and he's like not stressed when i'm prepared Mm. like nice work harder yeah you know like i am not even remotely okay with attempting at b plus i will mold out multitask and outwork any person out there to at least attempt an a plus mm-hmm. i'll try i'll do i'll give it all, all my all you know was i stressed on sunday you were as stressed as travis gets <laughs> okay i'm learning no i don't i don't I, you were I there's no there's you're the you're the travis stress is beautiful you too no, man you weren't extra stressed that's what i'm saying you're always if if the scale is like one to five <laughs> i'm always at three. You, li- you live at 1.5 <laughs> <laughs> but you like there. when I look back though the first few years that. though I would freak out at like little things that might be going wrong this person's late or like this thing fell over or like the sign doesn't look right or we didn't get up tables or you know whatever that may be and then you just realize you are in charge of all of it it's all your fault and that is very freeing you know what I'm saying yeah because like no I'm, I'm going to trust myself that I'm going to figure this out right mm-hmm. But then you also have to realize that like you have to hire more people. And I, I hired a corporate trainer a few years into Big Lick and she completely changed my life. 
She changed. Uh, she she taught me vertical integration, how to find revenue streams that weren't there. Uh, she taught me about myself. I took disc assessments. You guys ever done those before? Nope. Is this psycho- psych- psychological? Yeah. Stuff? So like the disc, like it stands for like, you know, like driver, influencer, calculator, right? And it'll tell you what kind of personality you are and what you should be doing in you and what kind of person you are based on your adjusted life, which is your job versus your natural life. And I was a high I, high D. So I was high driver personality. I want to get things done. High I in the fact that like, I just want to share things that I care about with other people. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for the kind of job that I have, it was like, it was literally like a 0.6% off from natural versus adjusted. Like, I don't feel like I have to go to work every day. I feel like it is life. Like I get to wake up and do something. Those things are syner- synergistic for you. Totally. Which that's, that's beautiful. I mean, I sh- I've strived for that my entire life. And um, I, by and large, I think it's a good thing. You can get lost uh, in terms of not having any true rest and relaxation. Yeah. Because it's you're so enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for my my kid, I don't know if I would have ever found yep. that importance. But anyway, I think we click on the same levels in terms well, of and that. It, and you have to teach yourself how what what relaxation is. And like my wife is so brilliant and knows me better than myself. When she knows that, like me getting up and going to get on my computer at ten thirty at night, that relaxes the shit out of me before I go to bed. Yeah, I love that. I want to go answer some emails and give somebody like. Hey, we're trying to promote this dinosaur thing. What do you think the graphics should look like? I got a great idea for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and yeah. and so Big Lick, we've raised millions of dollars for charity since we started. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm glad you millions. said that. Yeah, and you know it's not something we talk about a lot. No, but I mean, I'm I'm proud of it. I mean, you guys sponsored us, and you brought fee- free food, and I know that wasn't cheap. I mean. They it was ate good. it like how <laughs> it was gone so fast. <laughs> they ate it so fast. It was delicious. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> I I I'm just kind of astounded by the um the the levity that you have the the lightness that you have. Uh, for me, I'm not I'm not there, I, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with I'm very happy with who I am, but I'm I'm a people pleaser, mm-hmm. and I was like. And I wear that 1.5 lays, yeah. as, as JD or <laughs> Jeremy was saying. I, it, it's it's I want to I want to make sure it's a good impression for you. Like right. I wanted to make sure things were run was okay. For, same with Amy. Like that was kind of a the first kind of ordeal yeah. for me. And sure. So like I know that about myself, and I'm happy about yeah. it. But I like I like the lightness, and I'm working towards that. But I like that you guys are you guys are there, and uh, I can definitely attest to that with my with my personal job as a sped teacher. There's there's there is no stress there. It's, uh, you just do. I just do. But I think that's one of those things with like anything in life is that an event can completely go to crap. Mm. Something can go wrong. You can screw up something huge. I once forgot to order porta potties for an event. Fantastic. Learned the day of the event. Shit in the hole, people. That I did not order porta potties. I'm not going to say what event it was, but we <laughs> we worked it out and it worked and it worked itself out. Yeah. But if you come from that place of honesty and you really are just trying your best, then what are you going to do when that happens? You're going to tell your client or the other person completely screwed up. I forgot to order porta potties. Yeah. And what are they going to say? You just told them the truth. Be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Like that you, integrity you, is huge. Totally. And yeah. and especially if if as a business owner when you realize that it is 100% your fault no matter what happens, that's the most freeing thing. Like, I think I said that earlier, like in the world, because like even with your employee, you can have an employee that punches somebody in the face when they came into the event. That's your fault. 
you either put them in the wrong place, you didn't train them enough, you didn't pay them enough, or you hired the wrong person. It's your fault, not their fault. So how do you stay organized with all this, JD? I'm not very, no, I'm, I'm pretty organized. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Really? Yeah, I mean. Uh, you like Google Calendar or anything? <laughs> I do reminders. Okay. But uh, I, I do, I did, when I met with you before this BBB thing, you yelled at your phone at least 14 times. Yeah, I do the like, to set reminders. Yeah. Because what I love about the reminders on iPhone is that like it keeps popping up until you actually complete the task. Absolutely. Which is rad. But uh, I, I keep the majority of, of like my whole business in my head without notes. Yo. It's weird, man. Mm. I probably shouldn't. But I also have, inc <laughs> have incredible people that work for me. I have a very strong faith in something that is bigger than myself. Mm. And I got my wife. My that's, wife's everything, man. Mm, that's awesome. She balances me out. How about that little boy, though? Oh, dude, he's the CEO. <laughs> like, he, he uh, I mean, he's the reason you want to work harder. That's the, that's the struggle, man. You're like, oh, I'd really love to work harder and be able to afford like a nicer vacation. But now for these three weeks, I'm barely in front of the family. Like, yeah. It's you know, different. It's a, that's the other side of it. When there's a million vacations in the world, but your kid really just wants to play soccer with you on a Tuesday night at six o'clock yeah. in, in, in the yard. You're going to choose soccer. They, 100%. Yeah. That's talk, what matters. Talk about that, that, what, what having a kid did to you musically. Like what did that do for you? Oh, musically? wow. Um, I stopped cursing. No <laughs> lies. Yeah. Right. Lies. In the music. You no, know, uh, I don't know, man. Musically, it didn't really change my music. It did change some of the stuff that I listened to in the car. Okay. But recently is when it's happened because now he's seven. He's a dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That wants to listen, that wants to play, that like when he's in the back seat and like he was singing along to freaking Steve Winwood the other day. Mm. We got into a deep talk about Steve Winwood. And he's singing along to it and he's doing the you, face. Wait, he, you and Cash did? Or you and JD did me in the chariot. Oh, okay, Low. he's he's singing higher love, right? Oh, yeah, Bring yeah. me a high, you know. And he's doing the face in the back, in the back seat, and like he'll stop doing it if he can tell that I'm looking at him. But I'm like, when he's doing that moment, and like, and, and I know he's doing that thing where like I remember like before I actually knew how to play guitar, I had my dad's Epiphone, right? And I would like look in the mirror and act like I'm James Hetfield playing guitar yeah. in like fifth grade and I'm playing bleeding me off load. I'm like one day, one day, man, somebody's going to hear me play music. And like, and I can see him in that where he's in like that journey space. Like I remember like listening to that metal stuff in elementary school where it's like, it is like a he-man level battlefield occurring while ride the lightnings playing. And I'm in the story right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. goes, like through a battlefield, like God lightning and stuff and Metallica's playing. And like, and I'm seriously, that stuff will be playing. I see it's happening in his head. It's like, I can't teach him that. Like that's just, just there. Yeah. There's that, it's the darkness, <laughs> you know, you stole all that from the stranger things. <laughs> yeah, this, right. The last season. Totally. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, man, that's really cool. That, um, isn't it cool? Like how life just gives you these little moments to just, you either can sit and enjoy or you choose not to. And I hope that people out there are just sitting and enjoying them. Dude, sharing music with a kid is the coolest freaking thing, man. Yeah, especially your music, right? Oh, and he and he loves the band. He loves watching us play. Even though he'll be like, you know, playing his switch while we're playing, he knows he he'll then two days later be like, "Hey, daddy, when you introduced that song, you said this the wrong way," and you know, like he'll remember every little detail, Mid and it's incredible. Midnight Envy has been playing um, accidentally in love, um, the Shrek two song. 
and my daughter absolutely loves it. And I can, I just like, I get, I get nervous to yeah. play it in front of her. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, did I speed it up? Did I, did I slow it down? What did I do? Like, yeah, they they do. They change, they change it. Yeah. They change the whole ball game. So, all right, let's keep moving on. Uh, so you, you hire a lot of bands around here. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you look for when, when it's coming, when it comes to hiring a band to work with you and your, your company or an event or yeah. um, what you looking at? Attitude is everything, man. Being a professional yeah. is absolutely everything. There's so many people that, you know, can absolutely, you know, you know, play circles around other bands, but like, oh, maybe they drink a little bit too much or something when they're sure. playing. And like, and that's one of those things that's tough. It's, it's taught me a lot about like, how, how do I book myself? Right. Like, do I hit up this person on a Sunday at 1030 at night or do I text them at 11 a.m. on Monday? You should text them at 11 a.m. on Monday. You know what I mean? Like people have office hours, (laughs) you know, like (laughs) just because the other person is also a musician like and it's and (laughs) and the way you ask the ask is big. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of bringing an idea to somebody as opposed to an ask. And that that sells. You know, hey, I think it'd be great if this band played this or my band played this because we could do this and that and the other. Yeah. Not just like, why are you not booking my band? You know, and there's there's so many variables when it comes to that. Like I book a couple of venues, but then I book like four of my events as well. And the thing that's really tough, too, with like some big look events is that we will partner with certain people to put on an event like an outdoor thing. Right. Whether it's a nonprofit or whoever that might be. And they'll ask, well, you're going to have Lolo play, right? Which is my band. That is so stressful for me, <laughs> you know, and it's hard. And it's very hard for me to say no, because I've seen crazy stuff happen when like, you know, we're playing at Elmwood Park and I'm on stage and I'm like, man, the beer line's getting really long. Hey, that porta potty just fell over. Like whatever could be happening oh. is really hard for me to then put on that performance. Because you're wearing two, two hats, two hats at that. Point. Yeah, you're, you're actually probably wearing more hats, but those are two definitive. It's very hats. hard. But like when I'm looking, but what I'm looking for in a band is, you know, you got to think about marketability, Sure. you know, and it's so easy. We're so lucky to have iPhones with 4k cameras. Like, do you have a great high resolution photo of your band that I can actually like, I'll put you on a billboard. We yeah. will spend the money for that. Thank you, know? you for doing that for mine. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, I, you, you got to have that stuff. Do you have an, a copy right now of all of your cover songs that you play? All of them. I need that. Not just the name of the song. Song of the artist. <laughs> you know, is there a link that I, are you going to promote the show? You, you know, those those yeah. check marks no, get are big, but relationships are everything, though, too. You know, somebody could go through multiple bands and you know that they're going to deliver on a professional level. Then you just trust the person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bands are brands, but I think about people. Like people are everything, and how they're going to treat that show, and not just you know chasing a hundred bucks around. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity because yeah. you've given me the opportunity. Then, then you've uh, given really great accolades to other people, and because of that, you know my group, and it's a new group too, uh, has, is playing Hot Shots uh, with Sandra, and we're playing at the distillery yeah amy and like it's and it and it comes from word of mouth and it comes from people that i i'm a whole i wholeheartedly believe that relationships are 
at the forefront totally. of, of of business and um, anything that we do. Um, and I think I think our society can sometimes lose sight of that. Well, um, and it's like you know people forget. You know, that the DIY method of what really mattered, you know, even like 15, 20 years ago in downtown Roanoke, it's still 100% works. And people's like, you know, why is the money booking my band? Well, I've never seen you at a show ever. Right. I've never seen you supporting any other band in the area. Damn. No, say it. You know? No, please do. Like, why do you not go to other people's shows? Because that's really fun. Yeah, I want to. I Like, it can be hard for me because I live 30 minutes outside downtown Roanoke. I'm like a seven-year-old boy. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. But But like... Go be visible. But know your audience too. You know, like, like Jojo you know Stockton goes to more shows than he plays. Yeah, no, we just we just talked to him. Mm-hmm. He goes to he go, he loves to go see people play. So yeah. someone go we'll see him go, man, I gotta book that guy. I love his energy. Yep. Why would you not? He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And he's so supportive. Because then what's happening, because he's going to go see other bands, what do you think those other bands are gonna go do? Support us. See Jojo. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go see your dude. Yeah, you can't overlook that stuff. It's so important. And, uh, uh, Travis and I have talked about since starting this, um, literally feeling guilty that we don't go and see more music because we have a, we have little kids at home. Like I have, yeah. I have a six year old. Right. How old's Cora? Four. She's three. She's three. So that that's a huge factor. But we have felt this <laughs> like inherent guilt of being you know, local facilitators at this point, we're trying to bring more musicians together. So people have the opportunity to create with people they might not otherwise have had. And then, and then we're like, you know, like with Christian Q, that was the first time I went, damn it. I really want to go see yeah, this guy. Totally. Cause he came and talked to me and I got to hear him play. And I watched a couple of videos, not me personally, us. And I was like, I want to go support, but it just didn't line up because of the family stuff. So we literally feel guilty for it. If yep. you don't have that going on at home, Man, go support people. Yeah. But also, we've been blessed enough that we've got these gigs rolling in. Sure. And if those gigs aren't rolling in, then the gig is going to the other shows that you're not playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And An actor auditioning is a working actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And going to the other shows is auditioning. Like, yeah. I want to give a big shout out to Chris Joy. I mean, she came and played that show on Sunday, and then she stayed for a while, yep. and then left and went and played another show mm-hmm. that day. Like, and I and I know a lot of the groups around here couldn't make it on Sunday because they were playing. Sure, and they were playing from two to five. Yeah. somewhere else. And good kudos to them. Like, I'm happy yep. for you. You know, uh, obviously no hard feelings, but like that's kind of the name of the game around here too. Yeah, I mean, the, the rehearsal is just as important. As networking, networking is just as important as rehearsal. If you're mm-hmm. building the band, yeah. you know, there's levels. So Definitely. that brings me to my next question. What does practice look like for you, JD7? Uh, doing everything I can to let Jeremy think that I am organized. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're organized. Who are you talking <laughs> to? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, what does practice look like to me? Um, or re- Did you say practice or rehearsal? I think they were going to oh, semantics. They are. Watch this. And it's tr- it, they're two different things. Semantics. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did say practice. That's a semantics. It's, I don't, it's, it's really, it's a tough call, man, because like whether, because we actually have original music, but then we also play a lot of really fun cover songs too. Yeah. You know? So like, I think that again, I'm back in that word intent. Are we writing tonight or are we learning like these three, four songs that we want to do in two weeks? Sure. You know, but to me, I think that, just having some fun and shaking it off a little bit is just as important as nailing the song because 
you should be learning the song outside of practice anyway. Mm-hmm. So when the gig shows up, we're going to know the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Three Joy in Summer 69. How many times have we heard that on the radio? I was responsible for playing that about 3,000 times a year for 10 years <laughs> on WRV. That's literally the number. Uh, <clears throat> look it up. Um, <laughs> I was t- but you know I was what I'm t- saying? T- like, and, and if it's an original song, you'll put your, your time in and stuff. But like the rehearsal, man, vibes everything. You got to be, you got to be, you know, grooving with those dudes and, and make that important. Yeah. Right. I mean, the camaraderie is, is, is huge. I can't be, be too exact in rehearsal. That's fair. I don't know. That's fair. Uh, what about for yourself? Do you, do you, you're, you're so busy. And I, I asked that again, I, all my questions are intentional, but like, do you, do you find yourself wanting to pick up the guitar a little bit more and, and practice and find some quiet time yourself? Yeah. It's re- like, uh, I'm at a different office than I used to be. My old office was actually in the distillery. So that Brady's distillery was the big like entertainment office. Like, what a terrible, oh, somebody was asking. beautiful idea. Oh, no, that was before any booze was like no, being no, created no, no. there. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. <laughs> no, I had plenty of booze in my office, but it just wasn't <laughs> Brady's. Um, so like I would have all this time where like nobody would be in the building but me. I'd be singing my ass off, writing and stuff like that. Were there and any like, ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be at least one ghost in that. In that thing. building? That is an old building. With a, be with, with a creepy old elevator, too. But uh, was his name Brady? I know, right? Well, sorry. The writing, no, I, I play guitar every single day. I write something a few times a week, you know, and I use like the note, the uh, voice recorder, you know, yeah. on, on iPhone and like stuff that I might never pick up and stuff like that, but I have to. I, pr- I literally physically cry listening to music probably five times a week. It's that important to me. Mm. Katie, I have so many more questions. Uh, you're you're also a, uh, in my opinion, a mastermind when it comes to social media. How how do you do it? Like you're you're. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say like you're on it all the time. Like that's a, a negative. But no, you're, I mean it's you're part of our on, company. We run on, social media for yeah, people. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say you're you're on it and you're promoting Schmidt all the time. <laughs> Schmidt is my last. He name. Said Schmidt. Schmidt. <laughs> so, to me, like I honestly think about it and approach social media the way it's supposed to be approached. And the people that stress over social media are either too wrapped up in the negativity that's on it or too wrapped up in trying to get business out of it. And you need to actually go on it and this sounds really stupid. Use it for what it is. Be social. Like share something you really like, like, and be be pure and honest about it. And you'll see that that's the post that through the roof, Mm -hmm. you know, I run the Facebook page for Grandin Theater, right? That's part of like Big Lick Entertainment is a consultant and a marketing agency Monday through Friday when we're not putting on the Comic-Con or Downtown Countdown and all that kind of stuff. They're one of our clients. And when I was looking at their page when they hired us this past November, I noticed they had never once done a throwback Thursday, a place that is 90 some years old. I'd never done a cool like historic post and just did hashtag TBT. And mm. like the first one I did had like 450 likes and was a, a mass like thirty thousand views. You, did you start the movies that the that are the Throwback Thursday movies that are going on now? No, I promote them, and okay. I, and I help promote the music. Well, I didn't know and if I, it was like a suggestion or so idea I, that came from like you I, I personally do all the graphics for yeah. the Grand Theater. That's part of what Big Look Entertainment does. I love doing. It. I, I I create the little slides and stuff like that to promote the movies. I, I, I created the the poster of all the different bands that are coming up. Everybody from G Love 
to the broadcast, like all, all these different things. Fre- yeah. Frequency. Yep. In there. Yeah. And, uh, and I did the graphic on that and I love it because it's just another way to connect with people. Like a mm-hmm. graphic to me, like it should be really cool and beautiful and actually mean something. I had this really long conversation with, an, there's a new business that I've started in just the past few months. And we were talking about um, the graphic for the movie and she was going through all these different ideas and stuff like that. And I was like, Nakia, slow down. Like, it needs to just like what's what are you trying to say in this movie? She's like, I hadn't thought about it like that. I was like, yeah, it's got to be art. It needs to be art. It needs to be meaningful. You know. And when you think about social media like that, of like, either it's just something light and fun, and you're really stoked that you're having breakfast with your kid that day, and you post that. Yeah. That's that's great for your business too. Yeah. You know, and like realizing that social media is not like here's the services that we offer here at this kitchen and bath company. Instead, like, show Mike buying coffee for his crew before he heads out to Alta Vista to go fix some broken toilets. That post is what's going to crush. It really right, blows right. my mind because, like, I, I literally uh, I recently got on Instagram and I uh, took a picture of the whole chicken that I grilled and I accidentally put it on Facebook and I got more likes on that sucker. And I, because, I said, like chicken, chicken, man. because I said, yeah. I accidentally like beer can chicken. Up. That's good. shit. Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> well, JD, JD seven, like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he liked my whole chicken. <laughs> and I was like, what? It, it's just, it Don't boggles my it mind. So seriously. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like boggled my mind. It's supposed it's like, to be fun. And it's hard for me on social media because my page is public. So like, I sometimes think like, mm, can I post that? Should I not? Like, sure. You, you, have, you ever you have feel like you like can't, be your complete self yeah like because you're facilitating a lot of things for a lot of people yeah which is brilliant we didn't even talk about that with big lick yeah. or what you do when you're an artist but it's a similar thing do you ever you ever feel like i mean i know the answer to this question but i feel like it's an opportunity opportunity for you to speak on it a little bit you're like ah, i don't want to post that just because yeah like if i had a really bad experience at a restaurant yeah i don't want to post about it that's yeah you know what I'm saying? I don't want to drag somebody you down. Well, you want to drag down another business owner? Take a high road. That make, that that they're going to make mistakes. Like we're yeah. all going to make mistakes. I've seen people. I, I remember once, like this dude just ripped apart the VIP experience at New Year's Eve because it was a total shit show. It wasn't managed well. The food wasn't as good as it should have been. This was years ago, and I felt so bad about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's like, what am I supposed to do? JD, I'm going to steal this. But from I just you. decide not to do that. Plus equals plus. Yeah. Positive equals positive. It, it it literally there's a vibration in your freaking body when you feel positive, and it'll pull you to other people that want to be that way, mm-hmm. and it'll change everything. So, uh, I typically end my portion of the show uh, with a question about finances, but like you've spoken so much about your business and everything, I, I do want to ask you, um, what because of all you do here and all the the people that you support and all the businesses and all the the musicians that you support too. What, what would you like to see differently happen around here? We need bigger jobs. Okay. We need bigger companies to come into Roanoke to invest. That's not just in one specific field. Carillion has been unbelievable to what they've brought in this area. But we need variation and we need higher income in this area to see more things grow. Um, it's too wonderful of a space for people mm. getting underpaid for the kind of work that they're doing in this area. And I'm not saying that money, you know, buys happiness by any means, but like we need bigger companies to make investments into this place too. Uh, it would, it would make a, a massive difference. And yeah. there are people out there that are working on it. The thing that we are really lucky in this area that people don't talk about enough, we have unbelievably great banks, mm. really good banks. 
And as an entrepreneur, I can say it's a huge deal. Banks that are going, yep, I'm cool with your risk. Yeah. They're going to fund it. Sure. Mm-hmm. Being able to, like, you need to be able to buy money. And it's, 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 it's literally what you do as a business that owner. Makes, and I mean, and in this town, sense. we have people, I mean, there's, there's banks in this area that are 100 years old that still are in the millions of profit mm. per year that are willing to bet on local business owners that mm. take massive risks that inspire me daily. And, um, but we need more companies to come in and do the same thing too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Lego got outside of Richmond. Lego should have been in like Bedford. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Paying people 25 bucks an hour and there's 800 people working there. 800 people making 25 bucks an hour is a wonderful thing for an area. Oh, you know well, what I mean? We were supposed every to get- lunch place, every breakfast place, every gas station on the way to work. Yeah. We were supposed to get the Amazon distributive um or distribution company, I think, yeah. in here, but I don't know if that's going to And the, And there's people that are work- I got this email today. Like, and there's these organizations that are literally busting their butts to make that stuff happen. Like, when you see like a GoFest, GoFest is put on to showcase to really hit people that might work remotely, that make good money, that they should live in Roanoke, and it costs a whole lot less for them to live here. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Because there's all these things that literally God built here that you can just go enjoy. Go climb that mountain, man. It's right there. It's free. You know, like, that's unbelievable what we've got. And there just needs to be more people that aren't just paid to hopefully pull these people here to actively tell more people that they should live here. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like that te- answer. I do too. That's a really great answer. I would call that answer panoramic, like a, like a really wide view of what would benefit us here in the in the city. Not that we're hurting. I think we do great. People need more what money in their pocket, man, because totally. they can go and just have some fun. Yep. Yeah, you yeah. know. More restaurants making money, more people buying cool ass houses. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you're not just saying that as a business owner. You're no. saying that you're saying that as a citizen in this county. You know, like, yeah. I want to see somebody that's so you know working for tips at lunch in Grandin Village. If there's 30 more people eating lunch that day, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it doesn't take that many jobs making X Y Z amount of money per year to completely change a local economy. Uh-huh. The other thing I think that would completely change this area, and I'm just going to throw this out here while I'm here, is that Roanoke County and Roanoke City should all be the same thing. <laughs> oh, man. It, would com- it would completely change the economic viewpoint of our area. Yeah. I like know. a company like Whole Foods is not going to come here because they look at Roanoke City, they see only see 99,000 citizens. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're talking they're population. not seeing the actual market. No, it's a, almost a quarter of a million. And it's so split up right. so that these big companies... Well, but the DMA is Roanoke Lynchburg. That's over a million people yeah, yeah, that yeah, live yeah. within 45 minutes of each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have opinions. But about the market that. is so split teaching. up from the actual viewpoint of these agencies when they're looking at it from a national point of view that they don't see how investable this area is. Mm-hmm. And Ed Walker, who completely inspired me to do a lot with my businesses, um, he, we have a failure-friendly economy in Roanoke. Mm-hmm. It is not that expensive to take the risk in Roanoke compared to a Richmond or a Raleigh. No, that's why people come down here because the cost of living and is, more people need to. Yeah, yeah. I have opinions about that because I'm a school teacher. So I mean, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said. Um, welcome to the bike outline. Here we are. That was lovely. Look at that face. What? That was a, that was a, 
Mischievous. Giving them smoky olive dropped martini eyes. <laughs> I love this shit. Who's your top musical influence? James Edfield. Yeah, I could feel like I could answer these. Or Jim Freeman. But probably no, James Edfield. No, no, you get one. Top. Get one. top. James Edfield. Who's your top non musical influence? When I ask this question for me, it's my top non musical influence that influences my music. But I'm asking you. Are you asking that influences person. my music or as a no, person? No, 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 no. I was just letting you know my take on it. Another angle. Gene Sutphin. Gene Sutphin. Yep. That's my granddaddy. The the one you you post about? Yeah. Making breakfast Sorry if I just threw five that days out. a week. I no, I think that's really wonderful how how you take care of him. He's the best man. Not that he needs taken care of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. You have to change one thing that's already happened. <laughs> what would it be? Change one thing that's already happened, period? Like in the human history? No. Your in history. Quantum leap? In your history. Like if you could go back and change. So another way to ask this question is, what's one thing you do regret? Because we, we always act like, hey, we don't regret anything. I mean, that's not really true in a human's life. There's going to be something you're like, damn, I should have done that the other way. And you could take that and learn from it yeah. and never truly regret sure. it. Sure. But... It doesn't start there. I sent a really, really mean text to my dad once. Like, just venomous. Venomous. And I wish I hadn't sent it. Love that. That's a great answer. That was the quickest buddy gauntlet ever. Really? Yeah. yeah. It really was. I'm being honest, man. No, man. I really appreciate that. Like. Would it, would it be like super transparent and, and thank you for all that you do for Renault? Nah, yeah, yeah, I, no. I think that gets overlooked, man. And it's something I, I kind of thought we might get into on the podcast and we didn't, but like you bring a lot to the city and you do a lot. And I think that gets overlooked. And so we, 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 we flank to that conversation when we talk about the risks that we take and yeah. what we put in. And when you talk about your personal history saying, you know, you worked two years as a disc jockey before you made money and you learned the ropes, you know, all these things that talk about your journey that I think a lot of people may not know and may not appreciate. Cause once you re reach a certain level, le uh, level of success or even notoriety, what have you, you know, people might not realize that you also had a journey. Yeah. And I think it's important for people to, to keep that in mind before they make their judgments, make their assessments. I Thanks think for important. coming on the show yeah. and telling us your story, man. Thanks, man. Like, no, thank you. And thank you for sponsoring us the other yeah, week. Yeah, it's like, my pleasure. And I really, really appreciate. Thank really, you, Flutter, I mean that. Like, I really appreciate the, all the opportunities you've not only given me, but other groups around here. And um, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're I don't good. want the credit, man. I just no, you I feel should. like I'm just living my life. Yeah, Pat, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Pat yourself on the back. I appreciate it. Thanks, so man. you need to be appreciated. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're getting ready to play. Uh, what's, you want to set up this song there, JD? I changed my mind in the song. Can I do that? Son of a... Yeah, there I go. Yeah, man, give it to me. I want to play a Madrone song. Tell me what it is. It's called The House of Ghosts. House. Let me look it up real quick so we can play it live. Oh, okay. Do you want to hear the story of how yeah, it happened? do it. Let's do that. I got it. So my grandmother's husband, his name is Odell. They got married before I was born. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. They got married his before I was born. Odell? Odell. Yeah, boy. O-D-E-L-L. He's a wonderful guy. He, got, he had lung cancer. It was killing him. And he was on his deathbed, and he was down in his recliner, and we were all gathered around. A hospice was there. And um, 
we knew that was like the end, right? Right. And he had his eyes closed. And he was this wonderful guy. He took me fishing as a kid. Like he was like my grandfather. Because I mean, he'd been in my life my whole, my whole life. And he was sitting in the back in the chair. And he started moving his fingers like that. And my Aunt Mandy is next to him. She goes, Odo, what are you doing? And with his eyes closed, he said, I'm in the river. And she said, without, without missing a beat, I don't know what made her say this. She goes, who's there? He said, everybody. And he was out. Teddy, you're a deep soul, man. You really are. And I, and I saw the whole scene in my head, man. It's dusk. He's standing in this river. He's at his waist. And he was feeling the, the water with his fingers. And here comes mom. Aww. And here comes dad. Out of the darkness. It was over. The house of ghosts. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Beats, Brews, and Buddies. We'll see you next time. JD7, ladies and gentlemen. And decides to leave.